You guys good? Awake? Where are your Bibles at? Let me see them. Let me see them. Come on, hold them up. All right, get a Bible. Get it with you. We, we're trying to get this inside of you. That's one of the, the goals that I've been pushing for because I know this is transformational for your life. Um, I was thinking about my grandfather a lot the last couple of weeks. And if you go to my office, you'll see there's a picture of him. It's this picture from basic training a long time ago, pre-World War II. And uh, when they gave me the flag off of his casket when he was buried, I uh, wanted to do something with it. So I put it all in there together, um, and it looks great. And I just keep it there. Um, yes, I want to honor him, but what he did was honor the Lord with his life. And so that's just a, a great legacy. He gave me a lot of things, but the best thing he gave me was Jesus. Um, but I want to tell you, as I was thinking about him, some of you just like, ah, I don't have time to read the Bible, but you're in your car. And modern technology has made it so amazing that you can actually listen to the Bible, right? You can listen to it while watching a video. You can listen to it. Uh, some guy from England can read it to you with his soothing accents and whatever you want to do. It in different versions. It's all amazing. Just make sure that you get it inside of you. And my grandfather, um, due to certain circumstances in his life, had to leave school very, very early. And while... I don't think he was illiterate. He, he certainly was not well-read. And so he couldn't really sit down and pronounce a lot of the words. But every day, he and my grandma sat down together and they listened to the Bible on cassette. Every day. I remember it. I spent summers with them. It was really powerful. Uh, you know, not just the, the image that stuck in my mind, but actually just training, right? Just training, which is what Paul told Timothy is having. There's training for righteousness. So they were doing it. They were being trained by the Word of God. Yeah, through their auditory um, senses, but also it was training me and understanding to get it inside of me. So it's very, very powerful. So whatever you do, just make sure that you get it inside of you. While you're turning in the book of Acts to chapter 19, we'll talk to you just for a couple of minutes. My name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor here. Incredible privilege to be able to stop in this time of calamity and situation and, you know, tense stuff going on and all kinds of uh, adverse things clashing, and all of that is real, but uh, so is the Lord, and he's faithful, and if, if you're anchored in him, you don't have a whole lot to worry about, right? I'm not saying that you don't ever worry. I'm just saying when you start worrying, you should start praying, and when you start praying, you get the peace of God that passes all understanding, and then you don't worry anymore. That's what uh, scripture tells us to do, and uh, we're going to see that in, in today's story. And as we've continued on, we've just recognized all through this 30 weeks in the book of Acts, as we continue on, that God just takes a bunch of regular people and uses them, fills them with his spirit because they didn't have what it takes. Simon Peter didn't have what it takes. He was a fisherman. He could tie some knots, I bet, right? And his hands were nice and firm, I bet. And I, I bet he knew how to fillet a fish, but he didn't know how to fillet a heart, right? And, and God had to teach him those things, and he had to do it with power. And all those guys, Bartholomew and Thomas and Andrew and all of them, uh, became the people that were going out, and the Apostle Paul. And you, you are the people who are now reaching the world. And as much as I love this building, as much as I love hanging out with you guys on Sunday morning, this is not all it is. This is just about an hour and 15 minutes that you get to come in and hang out with like-minded people and it's very, very comfortable and yet we are not promised this. There is nowhere in scripture that I read it says, okay, in Homestead there's going to be a church called Light Point and it's going to be super comfortable and they're always going to have it easy. 
I didn't read that. If you found it in Scripture, let me know. I didn't see it. And um, I'm glad you guys are here. Give yourselves a hand that you got here um, because it matters. It matters. Some of you probably woke up and went, ah, maybe I could do something else, but I'm going to church. You made the right decision. It's always the right decision to hang out with like-minded people and worship the Lord together because whatever we just sang is true. We're singing the hymn of heaven, but we don't have to wait to heaven to sing the hymn of heaven, right? We sing the hymn of heaven right now, and we start worshiping, and there's a great cloud of witnesses, the Bible tells us, cheering us on, and it's beautiful. So as we've understood Acts in this ragtag group of people that God has empowered, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we said it was our memory verse for this, the theme verse of this, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses, right? So you, we know this, and it's happening, and even now, so we're seeing the influence of the gospel through these scriptures, and we're seeing also the influence of the gospel here in Homestead and South Florida, and really around the world. It never stops. It's always been about kingdom. It's always going to be about kingdom. Sometimes we make it about certain things, but again, this wall, right, this roof, this building, if it ceases to exist tomorrow, if it collapses you will remain, and you are the church. This is a church building. It's a sanctuary. It's a worship center. It's a venue. It's all of those things. But these walls are not going to open their mouth and tell people about Jesus. You are. You're the church. And so we get that, and so the influence of the gospel is going out. Um, during this time as we're studying, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a lot of teaching today. You know, we got to learn some things. During this time, a lot of the churches that we see were, were being established, churches of Colossae and Laodicea and um, Hierapolis and all, all of these places that were founded and maybe, maybe even the seven that were mentioned in Revelation are in this time, although I don't think we can concrete that down through scripture. But what we're, what we're seeing is an importance on teaching, an importance on learning, an importance on growing, an importance on discipleship, an importance on being rooted and grounded in the things of God. Again, training in righteousness. And as we push into today's message um, through Scripture, I, what I want to do is I want to stress a few things to you. One of them is what we've continually talked about for the last seven years, and that's this, is that we would receive the Spirit and that we would live a Spirit-led life. You can't do it. I already said Simon Peter couldn't do it. If he couldn't do it, what makes you think you could do it by yourself? You can't do it by yourself, but you can absolutely do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. But you need to live that life. And we all know what happens when we live a me-led life. We get ourselves in trouble. And honestly, when you read the New Testament and when you read the book of Acts, if you didn't have any other thought process, if you just sat down and read this and said, okay, this is true, we would have serious serious expectations about moves of God. Like we just read it, we'd be like, wow, this is incredible. God moves so amazing. Why is that not happening? I think it is happening here. I think it absolutely is happening here, and we're seeing that. But what we, do, we also see, is, if we're not careful, we'll see just a contemporary Christian service. And what I read in the book of Acts and what we read and study in the book of Acts is quite different than just a contemporary service where you show up and you check it off your list and you scratch it off your list for the week and you go on about your business as usual. Because when you live a spirit-led life, everything changes. It becomes less and less and less and less about you, right? It's, it's hard because we get leaning sometimes, kind of like, oh, this thing is pulling me back. When we're living a spirit-led life. And so I want you to experience everything that God has for you. And he is a God of experience, 
right? You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Even the world knows that, but that's experiential truth. You can hear it, right? You can get it in your heart, but you got to experience it. It's like experiencing the love of Jesus, right? A lot of people have never experienced love like that. When they, when they get the love of Jesus inside of them, it wrecks them. It wrecks them because they've, all they've experienced is uh, this, this false thing from man. It says, I love you when it's convenient, and then I hate you when it's convenient. And that's not the way it goes. But when we see these guys here in Scripture, we see for them that the Holy Spirit was in fact in them. Um, they were baptized with him. They were filled with him. They were being led by him, and they experienced him, and they continued to experience him. And I just, I just don't want you to just go through your life just week in, week out, coming to check it off the list. I want you to experience an exciting life with God because I think that's what he has for you. Acts chapter 19, we just came out of listening to Apollos, who was this regular guy in chapter 18, who only knew what he knew. He didn't even know what he didn't know. He was just doing the best with what he had. And that's a lot of us. I'm going to ask you a question in here. How many of you feel deficient in your knowledge of Scripture? Anybody out there would raise your hand? Come on, I actually want you to raise them because I'm going to pray that that changes today. Right? Of course you should feel that way. All of us, because you, know, we you might have been reading this for 50 years. I read through the Bible every year, and every year something hits me different. You know why? Because it's not a novel. It's the living word of God. And your life is being discipled, and you are experiencing truth. And truth changes you, right? It doesn't change. It changes you. And when you get it inside of you, it will wreck you, and it's amazing. And so we've seen it. So Apollos was only doing what he knew. And then Aquila and Priscilla show up, and they say, hey, pretty good job. Just let me help you a little bit. And they give him a little bit more, right? And he goes on and he preaches powerfully. He was waxing eloquently, but then he goes and preaching powerfully after getting the right knowledge. Acts 19 verse 1. Paul's in Ephesus here. He's on mission. He had already been through there before. And what we see is that this time it says that it happened while Apollos was in Corinth. Paul passed through the inland country, and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. So we know he was there, but this time he maybe took a different route and maybe took some back roads. Maybe it was shorter. Maybe we don't know exact reason. We do know that Ephesus was a thriving metropolis. It was a cosmopolitan city. Lots of stuff going on, lots of business, lots of things happening. It was really at this time that Paul shows up. Like there's a lot happening. Right? It, it reminds me of maybe Miami. Tons of people are moving here. There's a lot of business, a lot of things happening, and a lot of great opportunity to share the love of Jesus with people, to share the truth with people. So he runs into what, what Scripture calls, the writer Luke here, he calls some disciples, which is interesting because normally Luke would use it uh, for Christians, but Nevertheless, we see here in verse 2, Paul says something about them that makes us think, okay, there was some level of faith here. Verse 2, he says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now today I'll have a whole lot of time to get into the doctrine of the Trinity. I just would tell you here at this church, we are Trinitarians, right? We believe in the Trinity, right? And what that is is... God in three parts, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Listen, there is no one in this room, and I mean no one who understands that completely. 
There may be people, I've seen people try to explain it, and I've told you before, some people, it's like, it's like an egg. It's a shell and a white and a yolk. No, it's not like an egg, right? And it's not like an avocado. It's so much bigger because he is bigger and greater than anything, and we can't encapsulate all that he is. Should we stop trying to learn? Absolutely not. We want to get it because I don't know about you, I want it all. I want everything that God has for me to learn and experience. And so he says this to them, and they're like, we didn't even know about him. <laughs> right? And somebody tells you some good news. Hey, did you hear about this? And you go, I didn't even know about it. I wish I had known about it. Right? But the answer of these disciples really is kind of mind-boggling when you think about it, although we have the, the, the luxury of looking backwards. And so he says here, when you believe. So there is some level of faith, right? I knew enough to, to say, hey, we're, we want to go after this Jesus. Maybe we weren't privy to hearing him firsthand, but we have experienced the love through his disciples, and now we ourselves want to go after him. And we look at this, and we know that these guys were disciples of John because it tells us in verse 3, it says, and he said, into what were you baptized? And what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Um, John who? Who are we talking about? John the Baptist, yes. This is Jesus' cousin. We talked a little bit about him last week. He was the forerunner for Christ. He was out there doing or preparing a way out in the wilderness, kind of living like a wild man, right, wearing all this fur and eating locusts and honey, but he was sharing the gospel with people and, and preaching in such an effective way. And then at some point he says, hey, no, I'm not the one. Don't follow me. There's one coming greater. I, I shouldn't even like wash his feet, touch his sandals. He's greater than me. In fact, there he is. But in John chapter 1, verse 29, this is what it says right there. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And then he tells the story of, of baptizing Jesus, right? And Jesus asking to baptize him, and he does. And he said, I saw the dove descend from heaven, a real picture of the Holy Spirit, and remain with him. Remain. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's one of his roles is to walk alongside of you, the parakletos, the God who walks alongside of you. So some of you might have felt lonely this week. As I tell you often, you might have felt lonely, right? That's an emotion, but you were never alone, right? I don't think our society has ever felt more alone than it has now. We're more connected than we've ever been, but everybody, you see everybody at dinner just staring at their phones, right? They're disconnected in their mind. They're disconnected in their hearts, and we've got to fight that. Well, John baptized these guys apparently and gave them enough instruction to said, hey, things need to change in your life. You need to go towards Jesus, and they did. So Paul responds and says in verse 4, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who has come after him. That is Jesus, right? So John pointed to Jesus, right? Paul is also pointing to Jesus but he introduced them. John introduced them to repentance. We know what repentance is. is a turning away. It's a pivot from the life that we were living. If you're living this way, and I tell you the truth, turn the other way. Right? I mean, 
most people struggle with this, right? That's why it's repentance. It would just be. It wouldn't have a term to it if you just change. But moving into the spirit of life is a problem. It's like when you go to the doctor, and he's like, hey, your cholesterol is a little high. Your blood pressure is a little high. And you're like, oh, great. This is super good news. Um, lay off the sodium. You need to do some exercise. You do less stress, drink less coffee, all of those things. And you go back one year later, and you know it's going to be the same report because you didn't do anything different. <laughs> Just things are a little worse, right? If it's like that physically, it's also like that spiritually. You're going through the same stuff over and over again. That's not what it is. So John introduces them to this idea. It's like, hey, you were living this way. If nobody ever told you eating brownies for breakfast, that's me, I'm telling on myself, uh, is not a good idea. Right? I don't know why we make them, because I will certainly eat them. Right? Nico knows. I know how to make them, too. Uh, they're good. Put that whole stick of butter in the pan, in case you're wondering. Uh, it's good. <laughs> yeah, see? <laughs> Repentance. Turn from that. That's dumb. That's dumb. I'm not talking about the brownies, the things that have... <laughs> That's dumb, too. I'm talking about the spiritual things that are killing us that are hardening our spiritual arteries, that are driving our spiritual blood pressure up, that are moving us towards spiritual death. That's what's happening, right? Well, they were baptized into this, and that's what they had, but they didn't have anybody's real name tagged to it, right? And how do we repent? If we're talking about repentance, Matthew 3, 6, they were baptized in the name of the Jordan River, confessing their sins. What happens if we confess our sins? 1 John 1, 9 says this, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now, I'm not a priest. Like, we're not Catholic here. I don't need you to come tell me all your sins. But what you should do is confess them first and foremost to the Lord. Secondarily, you should have somebody in your life who is helping you be accountable. This is not five people, it's not ten people, it's not Facebook, right? It's not. You need to have somebody in your life that you trust because a lot of people, they want to hear your sins and they want to tell your sins to everybody else. That's why you need to have a relationship with somebody and enter into a covenant with them and say, I want to tell you these things. But not just tell you, you're not my therapist. What I want you to do is to pray with me and to pray for me that I can be different and that I can pivot from what once was and to move in the Lord. Confess these things, repent, and move forward. Now, we know that after Jesus resurrected, he added something to baptism. He added his name in the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the earth. This is the Great Commission. That's it. It's happening. And that does something. It, it links us. When we do that, we, it links us to his death, but it also links us to his righteousness, which is his atonement, his covering internally, externally, everywhere. He covers us completely with his love, with his grace, with his mercy, with his hope, with his truth, with his life. It totally encapsulates and infiltrates us down to the deepest core and changes us. That's why we do it. That's why it's necessary for this. So Paul instructs them on this. In verse 5 it says, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And this is the only 
place in the New Testament that refers to anyone being rebaptized. Um, I often get questions like, I was baptized as a baby, should I get rebaptized, things like this. And I would say, we don't baptize babies here. Um, I don't think babies have a clue with what's going on in their life. They don't know that they've sinned. Sometimes it feels like they're sinning at 3 o'clock in the morning when you're trying to sleep. Like, you're doing this on purpose. I know you are. Go to sleep, right? It's challenging, but they don't know what's going on. But there comes an age of accountability where they know, right? You can see it very early on in little kids, right? This is why we don't have to teach them words like mine and no. They just automatically get that inside of them because they're sinful little creatures. Uh, and uh, eventually they have to know, and then eventually they make a decision to follow Jesus themselves. And at that point, we should drive them more towards Jesus and say, hey, if, I want, if you want to be baptized, that's a great thing. But this is once and for all. You follow him from here on out. There's no turning back because Pastor Rich doesn't want to baptize you again at 34 after you left the faith and did some crazy thing. I don't want to do that again. I don't want to do that again. So quite clearly, John's ministry was one that it was, he's, he's the forerunner. He's pre-running this. But Jesus is the fulfillment. Jesus is is the completion of the work. Now, this next verse is challenging for a lot of people. For some of you, the ultra-charismatic people, you're like in love with this verse. And for others of you, it's very jarring and challenging. Verse 6 says, And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. All right, so let's go ahead and get this like, I just want to see who I'm talking to, and I've done this before, but I want to make sure. When I talk about prophecy and speaking in tongues, how many of you think that's weird? Anybody raise your hand? Wow, okay. All right, a couple of you, not many. Um, it's okay, right? It's okay because you don't have a knowledge of it, but I'm glad to know, and maybe some of you were just afraid to raise your hand, uh, but, but there's something here if we see it in Scripture. I don't, I don't understand why everything was in Scripture, like, I don't understand why God used the donkey to talk to people. I don't understand why they anointed toes, right? I don't understand those things, but it was in Scripture for us. So we see this, this one, one I want to address is that we see the laying on of hands here. I believe in that. Now, let me say some specifics to that. So often we have people that come up here and pray. I don't have any more access to the Father than you have. I just want to make that clear. You have the same access to boldly enter the throne room of grace that I do, all of you. But when you walk forward, what I, what I do have is an empathy and a sympathy. And so sometimes I will reach down and grab your hand or I will touch your shoulder, right? Very rarely will I touch your hand, but occasionally. And I will begin to believe with you for the thing that you are praying about or for him who you are seeking. That's what's happening here. I'm saying, God, reveal yourself to them. Holy Spirit, touch their lives. Bring comfort, bring healing, bring peace, bring whatever they need, whatever they're after. Touch them. Again, that doesn't just have to happen here. I think it's important. I think we believe that. Scripture tells us if you have a problem, call for the elders of the church. We will lay hands on them. We will anoint them with oil. And we will pray. And we believe. And God will move. But we are not the healers. We are not the healers. But we are the believers. 
We are the believers, and we believe that things can be different in your life because we've experienced the touch of God, and it's important, right? So he lays his hands on them, and in this moment, in conjunction with the baptism, probably afterwards, right, this kind of secondary event that happens, it says the, the Holy Spirit came on the disciples, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied, right? Now, Paul wrote a lot about speaking in tongues, he wrote a lot about it, right? First Corinthians chapter 13 and 14. I'll read you a couple things just about it. In First Corinthians 14, 22, he says, Thus tongues are, are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers but for believers, right? So if you just came in here and everybody was speaking in tongues, like, and they had never been to church before, what do you think they're going to think? It's weird, <laughs> Right? It's super weird. And we've already said many, many times, right, the Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. People complicate things. We take things to the max, and we don't always know how to do it. This is why Paul wrote with instructions for these things. And the purpose of tongues was to overcome any unbelief that somebody might have. So I've been in services where things were out of control. That's the truth. Anybody been in services where things were out of control? That's not, that's not of God. God is not a God of uh, chaos. He's a God of order and structure. But we believe in the things in Scripture in order. We believe in these things. And what we know is that sometimes, and I've experienced that, that people have come and they didn't understand everything. They didn't understand what was happening. They had never been in a service like that. They said, I don't know exactly what happened, but I never felt God like that before. And my belief is deepened. I've heard that confessed. Even though I don't understand everything, how can we understand? I don't understand everything. God's bigger than I am. And, and sometimes he takes the, the big things and blows our minds. And sometimes he takes the little things and blows our mind. But there's a purpose. And, and I want to make sure that I, that I say this very, very clearly to you today. The Holy Spirit is not bound to any pattern that you might have for him. We'll say that again. The Holy Spirit is not say he doesn't have to live. Okay, I've got a formula for this. If I do this and I do this and I do this and right amount of time and I'll pray for you for seven minutes and then bring out the oil and anoint your head. That, he doesn't work like that. He doesn't work like that. That's why you can drive down the road, put on some worship music, and have your mind blown in the presence of God and experience that love just like you would on any other time because he's good and he's faithful. He doesn't fall into our boxes of him, right? So he came into these believers before baptism, right? There's something that happens. Now, I want to make sure that you understand this. I'm trying to teach you, and I know it's a lot, but I want to make sure that you get some of these things. The Holy Spirit is present at the time of your salvation. He's the one who deposits in you your understanding for a need. Right? But we've said it before, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, introduces you to the second person of the Trinity, which is Jesus, for the glory of the first person of the Trinity, who is our Father. You understand that? Right? Third person introduces us, Holy Spirit, to Jesus. Jesus, right, changes us, redeems us, so that we can live out and glorify the Father with our love. Some of you are like, oh, I don't, like, I don't. Speaking in tongues, that's weird. Prophesying, that's weird. Well, the Bible says that you should earnestly desire the gift of prophecy. That's what it says. You might not understand it, but you should earnestly seek it. That's heavy. 
many of you woke up this morning and you thought, man, I can't wait to be weird. <laughs> I was in Austin a few weeks ago, and the theme of the city is keep Austin weird. I'm like, well, that's strange. <laughs> I don't know why you would want to do that. But what I do want to do is keep my heart obedient and keep my spirit sensitive to his leading, to his prompting. And while I have been filled with the Spirit, I am filled with the Spirit. I am being filled with the Spirit constantly, refreshing, always fresh, always new. And, and so while well, Paul said you might speak with the tongues of, of men and of angels, but what did he say? But if you don't have love, what are you? You're a noisy, clanging symbol. And I've, man, I've seen these people. And you have too. Somebody's like, ah, I do this, and look at all the gifts I have in here. I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm here to operate, and look at me, look at me. And I'm like, I am looking at you. Your life's a wreck. And this caused some major damage with me as a kid, I'll be honest with you. Because I would see some people who would jump to the moon on Sundays, but get hammered throughout the week. I go like, I want something, even as a kid. Like, I want something. I just don't want what you have. I want something different. I, don't, I, I, want, I want God, and I'm not saying that you don't have God. I'm just like, what is that? You see, when you experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you'll know. Will you speak in tongues? That I don't, that I don't know. I believe that is a initial evidence of the Holy Spirit, right? I believe that. But the scripture also says, to some he gives this, to some he gives this, to some he gives this, to some he gives this. So are you just lacking? You're saying, well, I don't, like, I don't speak, I don't prophesy. So am I, do, do I have the Holy Spirit? I don't believe that. I believe you do have the Holy Spirit. But I also believe that there's more of him to have. And so maybe you're sitting here today, maybe you're sitting here today and you go like, I want more. I want more. Whether it's this gift or that gift, or maybe you just want to be more hospitable or more generous or more kind or all of that stuff. All of that is great, right? Maybe you just want to be more than that, and, and you don't know how to go about it, right? And I would say this. I would say, if you're looking for more, deal with your sin. Deal with your sin. I don't know what your sin is. You know what your sin is. Because again, when you've experienced the baptism, when you experience a touch from God, you don't go, okay, I experienced that amazing touch from God. Oh, it's business as usual. No, I've been spending this, all these weeks telling you this over and over and over again, right? And, 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 and we cannot like expect to experience a great move of God in our life while relaxing in a sinful state. It doesn't work. I'm just comfortable in my life of sin. God, give me more. Well, you're not being a good steward with what I've given you. Why would I give you more? Why do we need this? Why do we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why do, why do we need a constant filling of the Holy Spirit? Well, because you don't have what it takes. We've said this from the very beginning. The disciples didn't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. You don't have what it takes. But us with the infilling of the Holy in the baptism of the Holy Spirit we have what it takes because he's the one who does it but you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my see you're getting it you're getting it it says in verse 7 that there were about 12 men in all 
some people push into this and talking about, you know, Israel and, you know, the fullness of the Spirit uh, to be experienced by that. I, I don't know about all of that. Verse 8 says that he, he entered into the synagogue, which was his standard, we know, and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. What did I tell you? It's always been about kingdom. It's always going to be about kingdom. Jesus talked about kingdom, right? Acts chapter 1, very early in verse 3 says he presented himself to them alive, and after his suffering by many proofs, he appeared to them of the 40 days, speaking about the kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. This is Jesus, kingdom. And then the disciples, just a few verses later, is like, so when are we setting up the kingdom? <laughs> like, like, when are we going to rule? And he's like, you guys don't get it. And this should be our prayer, church, but not praying like this, like, when are we going to rule? When is it going to be awesome? When do we get to tell everybody what to do? No. That's not what he's talking about. But our prayer should be, most of the time we, we like to pray when we get in trouble. Hey God, would you heal my heart? Would you fix this relationship? Would you, would you pay my bills? Would you help me with this? Would you do this? And don't you know, and I'm tired, and I'm depressed, and I'm disappointed, and all this. And we throw all this at him, but Jesus said, pray like this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done kingdom come. Let your kingdom be expanded in my life. Like I, don't, like, I don't have it. I don't have it. But what I have is him, and he has it. And so, man, it might be a great day. Praise God, the kingdom's going to be expanded. It might be the worst day of my life. The kingdom's going to be expanded. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. So he, he pushes this. But as always, we've said, especially lately in Acts, not everybody loves it. Verse 9 says, but when some became stubborn, and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way. Capital W. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. So they're speaking evil of the way before the congregation. He withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. So listen, more and more. We're trying to set you guys, try to help your understanding of what, the, what it looks like in the future. More and more people are not only just don't believe said this a lot. When, how many of you, when you were a kid, like, everybody was a Christian, like, checking on the box, right? It's like, everybody did a poll. Everybody, 80% of America was Christian. It's, it's, it's shifted, and it's shifting so hard right now. So many people are now identifying as agnostic or atheist, um, and even more so, an even harder shift, and this will happen quickly, very, very quickly. They've gone from not just, I don't believe in God, or I'm wrestling with the idea that there's God, to I hate you, for what you believe. I hate him because Jesus said if they hate you, they hated me first, right? That was just part of the process. But now everything, I believe everything that you're teaching, talking about us, is harmful to the world. It's happening. And so praise God that you guys are here. But being here in this building isn't enough. You've got to set your mind on the things of Christ. You're not a citizen of this place. You're a citizen of heaven. And so we need to start thinking like that. And you need to have a spiritual backbone. I mean, a real fortitude to hold on to the things that you've been taught and to hold on to the things that you are going to get in this next season. That's why we're teaching this stuff. You've heard, heard me say this a bunch. There are two, that I know of two things in the world that they can't take from you. If you're a bad citizen, right? go out and commit a bunch of crimes and they catch you, what will they do? They'll lock you up. They'll take your freedom. 
put you in a cage. That's what happens. If you're a bad parent, they'll take your kids, right? If you're a really bad citizen in a lot of places, they can execute you. They can take your life, right? We don't know two things they can't take from you, your education and your faith. That's it. So kids, you think about like, I'm 16, I'm dropping out of school, knock it off. <laughs> Stay in school. You haven't learned anything yet. You don't know anything. Listen to your parents. They don't know everything either, but they've got some years on you. You don't know everything, right? First of all, listen to the Lord, but stay in school. And second, get as much Jesus as you can. Get as much scripture as you can. They can't take that from you. They cannot take that from you. So Paul goes on and he ministers to these people, right? And he says that he continued this for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Stand with me real quick as I finish up. Thinking about my grandpa again. I don't know why I'm thinking about him so much lately. Probably because I'm getting old. <laughs> Comes to us all, right? The alternative is not awesome. So I guess I'll just get old. Oh, man. He, he was just, I wish you could meet him. He was about the simplest guy. He'd come home from working at the ammunition plant. He, did, he worked at a powder plant outside of Dublin, Virginia for like 40 years packing ammunition. And um, he would come home every day and take off his work clothes and he had the same pair of jeans and the same shirt. I don't even know if he ever washed them. <laughs> but he put them on and he goes straight to the garden. And like I said, he, he probably couldn't read the Iliad or the Odyssey. But man, that guy could grow some green beans <laughs> and squash and cantaloupe and watermelon and green peppers and he had a vineyard and he had crab apples and we made crab apple pie and this like this amazing, amazing stuff. And of all the things that I remember about him, and one time I, I was in there messing around, and I stepped on a, a, a hornet's nest that was in the ground. And they, I remember I was just getting tore up. And man, my grandpa just came running. And he took so many stings for me just to get that. And I, I thought about all the things that my, my grandpa put in and he did for me my life, but as I said earlier, the greatest thing that he ever gave me was Jesus. Yeah. And I don't know if you're going to like grab your kids and shield them from bees or hornets. I don't know that. I don't know if you pull them out of a pool from drowning. Or... But I do know one thing, you got to give them Jesus. And you got to give your neighbors Jesus. And we got to give each other Jesus. And we can't do it ourselves. I just, I don't have enough by myself. That's why I have to live with the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's why I have to stay being filled. That's why I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit so that I can do this with his power, not my power. I don't, I don't come to you. Every week I tell you this, I don't, come, I don't come up here going, let me, I've got all the wisdom, I've got the experience. I'm like, Every Sunday, like, God, this is your word. Do your work. The, the tension is, please just go out and, and, and wreck hearts with your love. 
And he does, because he's faithful. Because that's my prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Can that be our prayer today? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for your presence here. Thank you for everything that you've done for us, God. So kind. So loving. Lord, and as we unpack scripture together, I know there's so much in there. Could have gone a bunch of different directions today, but you are sovereign. And you speak to our hearts even my lack of words, my lack of wisdom, your word goes forward, your kingdom is expanded. Lord, in every person in this room, we are in need of you. We raised our hands and said we are deficient. That means we, we don't have enough to go for it, but you are enough. And so we're not asking for just more of this thing or that thing. We're asking for more of you, Lord. You are the changer. You are the filler. You are the transformer of our lives. You are our hope. You are the way. You are the truth. And, and God, we want to experience that truth. It's experiential. We want to experience you. It's not by might. It's not by power, but by your spirit. God, it's by your spirit. So Holy Spirit, I'm just asking that you just invade our space at home, in the car, wherever we're at this week, that we will know that we will, we will consecrate our time with you, that it will be, continue to be sanctified, that it will be marked, and God will know that it won't be something that we don't know that we're not touched by. We'll know because everything will change. Our desires will change. And God, make us very uncomfortable with our sinful lives. Raise up the standard of holiness. Help us understand the call of holiness and righteousness. We don't come much with much to the table, God, but we come with our hearts as always. And we just slide it over you. We believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth that you are Lord and our Savior. Thank you for saving us. Holy Spirit, baptize us, do your work, change us, and help us to go out and live for you. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for everything that you've done in us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we put our hands together, church? We'll continue to love them with the love of Jesus. So excited for you guys, and we always pray our benediction, Psalm 19, 14. Let's pray it today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you. Love you guys.